This episode is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. <sighs> Did they want us to read a really long and elaborate ad? So they no, had- they didn't. Enjoy the show. <laughs> scared you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Bill Beck, owner and operator of Bill Beck's Ancient Text Objects and Temple Complex. After 33 years of faithfully serving the community, we are closing our doors forever. But our loss is your gain, I guess. We are liquidating our entire inventory. So come on down to save us, Biggus! <sighs> Thank you, Stephen. Bill Beck's Ancient Texts, Objects, and Temple Complex has the region's largest collection of ancient Roman artifacts and amphora. Plus, a fully functional temple complex for all your worshipping needs. You are correct, Stephen. So bring your whole family down and enjoy the afternoon. I mean, probably would have helped some if you'd done it sooner, but better late than never, I guess. With these prices, you think we're delirious? I don't get. Oh, yep, yeah, I get it. All right, Stephen. Gotcha. I mean, after 33 years, I'm not even. I'm not even sad. I'm glad to just, you know, finally be free to do whatever I want. I saw him crying in the parking lot. Shut up, Stephen. Sorry. Bring a pickup truck if you got one. Every statue. Pillar and column must go. Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian! We have all three. Shop early for doorbuster specials. With blowout savings on busted doors! I mean, you could have bought them at any time, but if... If you were waiting for desperation prices... Congratulations. Bargainous Maximus! That it is, Steven. That it is. Tell them about the balloon. Yeah, and Steven is going to be making balloon. Balloon animals. Yes, for the kids. And adults. So grab the family and come on down to Bill Beck's Ancient Text Objects and Temple Complex. After 33 years, least you could do is stop by. This sale will be legendary. I don't know what I'd do without you, Steven. Live show coming up at the Temple Complex <laughs> before it shuts its doors forever. Oh, poor Bill. Because it has no doors. <laughs> hello, everyone. How do you do? Hello, hello. Hello. My name is David Flora. I remain David Stecco. And thank you for listening to Blurry Photos. Correct. <laughs> Technically correct. He speaks correct. the truth. The best kind of correct. I uh, hope everyone is doing well. Uh, we are hot and heavy in May. Oh, super hot and trying to get less heavy, but boy, it's it's work. It's work. Yep. Do you know? Do you know Flora? Uh, I do know Flora. Yeah, no, for realsies, I'm down like 23 pounds. You're crazy. You yeah. have you have given it all to me. <laughs> well, if I lose it, someone's got to find it. Nice, nice shuffle there. Yeah, Chico. sorry. That was a- <laughs> Let me try that again. Uh, yeah. You know what? Just leave it. Everyone, I have a deck of cards. Sometimes I fidget with. I'm putting them away. Why Why would I pick something that makes just clear, audible sounds to fuck with? That's the kind of great decision I, I like to make. <laughs> I love it if you just 
if you had like I'm just gonna fidget with these spoons. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's just my tin can full of nails. <laughs> yeah, things we've learned in the past five years. God, right? <laughs> I'm so glad we're figuring these things out. Uh, so, how the hell are you doing, Flora? Oh man, it has been such a busy month. I have not been enjoying May, to be honest. I have had to do a lot of work around the house. There have been leaks, and I've had to rebuild a a, a little piece of a de- of, of the deck. Yeah, you are you are having to work with Ukrainians. It's not easy. It makes uh, difficult talk, work. Talk, talk. <laughs> He's uh, such pishu. <laughs> man. Uh, I, everybody here knows that uh, uh, Flora and I had uh, same boss, but kind of worked in very different realms. But one of my favorite things is that, uh, and I think I've mentioned uh, that my Ukrainian coworker Nick before. He's the whole reason I have any kind of accent that is fun to do. Uh, <laughs> and it, there's nothing warms my heart that more than knowing that Flora still gets to work with Nick, that someone's out there experiencing the, fl- the fury of Nick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we've, I miss we've that been guy. working together for like a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had to get up at the dupa crack of dawn <laughs> to work with this guy. And he, and today I like text him cause we're supposed to finish up and stuff. And it's basically just like organizing and cleaning, you know, all, all from what we've been working on. And I'm like, Hey, do you need me? You know, like, weren't you supposed to come over and do stuff? And he like calls me back later and he's like, no, no, what you talking? It, I, I finish. I, I, I all finished. I, I come in uh, six thirty. I, you know, I clean up. You, you like to sleep. I like to work. And I'm like, <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm like, nobody likes to work at 6.30. That is false. Oh, yeah. You're a pea shoe. I love that. I that's, <laughs> That is such a classic maneuver. Yeah. Because I'm uh, like, you, like to, to you like to work. Yeah. So anyway, Jeez. that's uh, anyways. That's what we got going on. That's well, our jams. man, it's, yeah, it's been busy with that and Miss Cryptid. And- oh, it's, oh, yeah. May is always a busy month. I'll say this. This May better than last May. I thought last May was going to kill us both. I don't even remember it. I'm, but I'm good at like blocking out things that are not that are not <laughs> pleasing to me. So, so we're working hard. Yeah, not even we don't even get to make the joke about hardly working. No, because we're definitely. I've it's been tough. So uh, we're getting this out to you. Hopefully, hopefully this week. I'm also going out of town this this week. Yeah, you are getting a little vacay times. It's well, you, you call it a vacay, but. I'm going to be working on this. I'm going to be editing during during the trip. So anyways, well, never stop working because you like you love working. You're soon you'll be like Nick. Soon yeah. you won't like sleeping. You'll like working. I think this uh this will be a fun episode uh for us while we burn the candle at both ends. The midnight yeah. oil and all everything else that needs to be burned. Burn burn everything. Burn it all cuz we're going to be talking about bail back. Woohoo! Bailback! <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'll tell you what, before this episode, I'd never heard of Bailback. No? Nev, n- never. Never. But now, so into Bailback. It's one of those things that's floated through the ether of like ancient aliens, uh, yeah. Mysterious Universe, Coast to Coast, you know. I yeah. used to, to get all into that stuff when I worked at uh, Groupon before they they mercilessly had us on the telephone all day i could listen or watch you know programs and it's where a lot of the stuff got inspired and kicked up 
remember old Bell back from those days. Thought it'd be fun. Uh, it's been a while since we've done. What was the last archaeological site we did? It's been a while. It's it's good to get back to to some some dusty boots archaeology. It is true. I like sites. Everybody likes sites. So let's let's kick let's kick it in, Flora. Now, um, I know that you always resist me when I say this, but Flora, I just think it's good uh, podcast craft. Against your better judgment, could you give us an overview? <sighs> you really, you really got me. Uh, you got me in a box here. The old Jimmy's in a in a in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where they're supposed to be. <laughs> that's also one of the Christmas monsters that we left out. <laughs> old Jimmy in a bag. <laughs> uh, all right, talking about Bale Beck. Well. Dave, as you know, the Middle East is chock full of amazing ancient sites. <laughs> Less every day. Fewer every day. Thanks, dipshit radicals. You can't throw a stone at a tell without hitting some ruins or sacred site. It makes sense as a lot of civilizations began and flourished there. And with this high number of awesome places, you tend to get a high number of interesting theories as to how they came to be and what they were used for. The Pyramids in Giza, the Sphinx, Petra, Gobekli Tepe, Darren Kuyu. These are just a few examples of the cool spots that have some strangeness associated with them, be it architecture, location, purpose, or the ever-popular connection to ancient aliens. Mm-hmm. Sukalo sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. There it is. But... No list of this nature should deign to exclude the ancient site that boasts a few of the world's largest quarried stones, Baalbek. That's right. Located in Lebanon, Baalbek makes Gobekli Tepe look like Tiwanaku. Hey, that's a pretty sick burn on Tiwanaku there. <laughs> okay, that that literally made no sense. So you can just stop trying to pin the tail on that donkey. <laughs> <laughs> but Baalbek is a city with the ruins of a large temple complex said to be built in the first century CE, but with the discovery of more and more megalithic stones, that time frame could be in trouble. And if you subscribe to the ancient aliens theory, it makes perfect sense and you know how and why it was built. So we'll be taking a look at its contentious and troubled history what it looked like over the years, and what is left today. And then we'll get into some eye-glazing alternative theories about it. Yes, please. I'm just, I'm just shocked. Uh, contentious and troubled history in Lebanon? You wouldn't think. What are the odds? You know. I, mean, I, I mean, on the other hand, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm no international political scientist, but I believe that Lebanon is one of the few islands of stability in that area these days. Oh, it's, it's tough. I think, I mean, the bar is low, the bar is low, but <laughs> it's just a rough part of the I mean, world these days. Actually, I, d I do think I read that, um, the, the more recent excavations that have been going on in the past three years have been kind of intermittent because people were kind of scared of getting shot Yeah, at any point. Well, and that's just it. I mean, you, you, there's so many different threats to to archaeology in that time. I mean, you do have obviously the ongoing uh, conflicts with ISIS, and those are those seem to me. I don't know a ton about it, but those seem to really mobile. Like, 
Like yeah. a place could be just quiet one day and, and blam, now it's a pitched fight the next. I, you know, it just seems yeah. like that's like, there's a lot of motility to that, those conflicts, but also a huge part of the economy, the, 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 the underground economy in that part of the world is trading in antiquities in raiding archaeological mm-hmm. sites and museums. And so you could be, you know, the bullet from a, a ISIS jihadi will kill you just as fast as the bullet from a, a guy who just wants to sell a whole bunch of artifacts. Yeah, you know, that's true. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It is a dangerous place for archaeologists these days. And so highest of fives to all of them. Indeed. Lowest of fives to everyone who wants to destroy this stuff. <laughs> right? No fives. Full five denial. Raging too slow. Yeah. <laughs> With baleful eye contact. Yep. All right. Let's get into some history here. <laughs> well, we could just keep talking about how we're throwing shade on people everyone hates. Just aren't we brave? Aren't we so brave to take a stand against ISIS from our comfortable recording studios? <laughs> look at me go. Oh, These colors don't run. What was that? <laughs> spiders you were, you were strutting up that ramp there for a yeah, second I was that mm, ramp of mm, freedom mm. <laughs> just backwards walking up and down the ramp of freedom so Baalbek was first settled from what archaeologists can tell between 2900 and 2300 BCE though it's estimated that the area had been inhabited as far back as 9000 BCE that's a long ass time yeah it was Canaanite or Phoenician peoples that settled the land and constructed an altar to Baal Hadad there. Now, Baal was a term that meant Lord and came to mean God, and Baal Hadad was an important Canaanite deity presiding over rain, fertility, war, and agriculture. It's interesting to learn about the actual gods that these people worshipped and not through the lens of another religion. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these things are, I mean, from our perspective, these things all are on the stage at the same time, shoving each other around and whatnot. But uh, historically, that's not how that rolled. No. Uh, So it's important just to keep that in mind. I mean, just for the sake of your own personal clarity. True. It's debated over what the Beck part of Belbeck meant. Some saying it meant Becca Valley. Others saying it was for Becca which is uh, sun, and still others saying it meant Nebek, which means the source, presumably of a local river there. Uh, this altar that, that they built and, uh, and built upon, like many Canaanite altars, was devoted to a trinity, uh, Baal Hadad, his consort Ashtart, and their son Aden, or Adon. Adon is a uh, street fighter character he's like the 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 kickboxer guy you know i don't think it's related i'm just putting it out there oh well yoga fire (laughs) don't worry i promise it gets more confusing as the name of the city was changed again in 334 bce when alexander the great conquered it and renamed it heliopolis city of the sun and it became a place sought for oracular divination which is the name of uh Florinize apocryphal spiritual folk band. Uh, Baal Hadad morphed into Zeus, though some historians confusedly thought it was for gr- the Greek saw, uh, sun god Helios. 
and the growing altar complex was repurposed again and Hellenized. Not long after that, the Romans rolled in, but list is ablaze in between 64 and 15 BCE. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, Ballistad. Many historians wrote about the popular spot, including... Whiny, pliny, why won't you go to Belbeck? Laura, you got another line for me? <laughs> I'm just trying to trap you with my own bad ideas. You're smart just to not just... Mm-mm. No, thank you. Hard pass. I ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> no. My mistress uh, is the sea. What? <laughs> that didn't even, it would still work. Know. It works as much as what I was doing. <laughs> uh, a huge new temple to Zeus. No. Stop right there. Jupiter Uh-oh. was built over the altar and the complex uh, for the earlier gods with a second temple for Venus and a third one for Bacchus. Man, fun fact, the Emperor Trajan consulted the site's oracle not once, but twice, first asking for a written reply to a question he had sealed up, Johnny Carson style. Uh, and the oracle's blank reply was good enough for him, as his own paper had been empty. Oh, oh cheeky little bastard. Uh, he then wanted to know if he would live through the wars against Parthia. In reply, he was given a centurion's uh, vine staff broken to pieces. So, you know, you know, <laughs> you get quite a variety of legends floating around as to the origin of the temple. Uh, Cain built it to hide from the wrath of God. Giants built it to hide from the wrath of God at Nimrod's command. Then it came to be called the Tower of Babel because of the wrath of God. <laughs> Sutherman built it with Jin's assistance to once again avoid the wrath of God or as a palace for the Queen of Sheba. Wrath of God not involved. And then... As Christianity and Islam began to grow in the region around the 4th century, all manner of fresh hell started pummeling the great complex. Wrath of God. (laughs) Wrath of God was there. (laughs) Got some God wrath going on. Some temples were demolished so churches could be built. Some temples became churches. Earthquakes ravaged the city. Parts of the complex were torn down to be incorporated into complexes elsewhere. Muslim armies began fighting over the land and used the temple complex as a fortress. Earthquakes ravaged the city. Churches became mosques. Byzantines sacked the city. Mongols sacked the city. A flood f***ed the city up. More Mongols sacked it. Earthquakes ravaged the city. It was a f***ing Mesopotamia for centuries. Uh, I get it. I see what you did. I'll never stop using that pun. It's no, just, and you never should. You paid so much for you it. You never should. Not until German Emperor Wilhelm II moseyed past in 1898, did a cartoonish double take, and said the Roman ruins should be preserved, did they finally begin to excavate the temple and preserve the ancient site. See, all they needed was a little Wilhelm. Where there's a Wilhelm, there's a way. There's a way? Yeah, yeah! <laughs> Oof, nine. And in 1984, it was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Excavations are ongoing, and the more they dig, the more interesting it gets. Except that they're not digging much right now, but <laughs> they're digging trenches. So let's take, let's see what it looked like. All right, Flurba, what it looked like. Uh, the complex itself was built on a huge raised plaza with buildings made of white granite, white marble, and limestone. Uh, the walls were made from uh, from 24-some-odd monoliths from a quarry 
uh, about a half a mile from this city. Uh, they vary in size between 330 and 880 tons <laughs> and include the, quote, three stones or trilithon, which are 800 tons each. These things are gigantic. They're 19 meters by four meters by three and a half meters. So get your metric on. I'm not going to yep. dumb it down for you. You need to understand metric, everybody. <laughs> you just, just get on board with it. 800 tons each. Yeah. Damn. Damn, son. Um, um. <laughs> the quarry has an even bigger stone that was cut into a rectangle, but not completely finished on account of it was tough. Uh, called the Stone of the Pregnant Woman, weighing in at an amazing 1,100 tons. But that's not all. An even larger stone was discovered near or maybe even under that one, clocking in at a staggering 1,300 tons and <laughs> are you kidding me a third stone was found in 2014 which broke the scales at a stomach churning and bowel emptying 1,600 tons said to be the second and third biggest quarried but unmoved stones in the world what's the biggest one Dave oh excellent question the Tangshan steel in Nanjing China uh, it is I mean Forget your bowel reduction. This is a full puke-inducing 8,800 tons. So you got, there's a big gap between first and second. It really is. Yeah. Uh, the biggest one that has been moved is the Thunderstone in St. Petersburg. Oh, no, no. It's Thunderstone in St. Petersburg, Russia. Is 1,250 tons. Thunderstone sound. That was in 1770. They didn't even have modern equipment. No. Those guys, that's amazing. And here's the thing. It seems like the further they dig down, it's just bigger stones all the way. So <laughs> expect that to happen. I would love it if it's just like, we dug down. This one's the size of a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> it's the mountain. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> It'd be cool if it did. The entrance was a porch-like portico at the top of a set of broad stairs flanked by two towers. One of the coolest features lies just beyond, a hexagonal forecourt, which no one knows what it was for, but it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, it's probably for some sort of uh, future sports game that no one knows about. Past that, a rectangular great court, four acres of open space and altars for all your worshipping needs. Corinthian porticos surrounded the court, and the remains of a basilica built during the reign of Theodosius lay in the center. At the far western end of the court, the magnificent Temple of Jupiter used to stand. It consisted of 54 columns, 20 meters tall, and 2.5 and meters in diameter that weighed roughly 800 tons. Man, pretty rough. Today, only six original columns are still standing due to earthquakes. From 54 to 6. Sheesh. The Temple of Bacchus was at the southern end of the complex, surrounded by 42 columns and sporting the best-preserved Roman architecture anywhere, with a size bigger than the Parthenon in Greece. Whoa! And that's the gold standard. Mm-hmm. The Temple of Venus is small and round, a major contrast with the giant rectangular temples of Jupiter and Bacchus. It has six columns that probably once supported a dome. There's carvings everywhere on it, and there were sculptures around because there's places for them. They're gone, of course, and other elegant decorations. 
Um, it's worth pointing out that the Temple of Bacchus is actually, it's, it's kind of a guess as to who it's actually for. Could be Mercury, who knows. But it's, I think it shows um, images of the early life of Bacchus, and I think that's why people think that maybe it's, it's Bacchus time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Tel Belbak Temple Complex was the largest pagan temple in the classical world. Damn. Now, the complex had a complex history Uh, (laughs) in its architecture with so many different styles being incorporated and built upon over time. But the fact remains that its foundations and quarried megalithic blocks have spawned all manner of bugaboo in conspiracy history circles. Oh, man. Is that... I hope that you made that up because I can altogether too easily see like, no, I'm into into conspiracy history. I I made it up, but I'm sure it's it's been made up before uh, by men half as handsome as me. <laughs> Find one. <laughs> oh, that means everybody looks better. <laughs> oh, oh, that's not how I meant it. Damn it! Don't look <laughs> into my compliments; they're poorly thought out. <laughs> Quit peeking up my compliments, skirt, Flora. Yeah, so you you're gonna hear all the your classic that technology doesn't exist. Those stones were too big. Why'd you build that? Where's my keys? <laughs> I guess it's com- It's a complex. <laughs> Dave, how about some dessert? Oh, yeah. I'm Ladies tired and of all these greens. Uh, go ahead and ease that belt back a couple of notches, because it is time for dessert, and uh, it's a buffet. <laughs> all right, let's dig into this pudding buffet. Firstly, the historical record is pretty spotty for the early accounts of the Tel Belbek complex. We're talking like pre-Roman here, uh, when, the me- when the megalithic stones are thought to have been placed because scholars don't think the Romans moved them and just used them for foundations or for a retaining wall. One idea is that the trilithon apparently shows evidence of weathering not found on the Roman parts. But some historians just say that the Romans absolutely had the knowledge uh, of how to move those stones and manipulate the physics of the situation. Um, the quarry was uphill from the site, and the large blocks could have been moved on rollers with machines using uh, capstans and pulley blocks. And then again, uh, why would they leave the giant megaliths in the quarry anyway? Hmm. We'll actually get back to this. In a, in yeah. A minute, but I don't know enough of, I guess, geology to be able to look at stones and say, hey, that weathering is older than that weathering. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I guess a differential weathering would be a good way to 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 tell at what time something was moved. But it's also, that's, that's real hard to prove. I mean, even differences uh, in composition... Of, of stones or where it was quarried within the same quarry could over the amount of time we're talking about be significant. Yeah. Real quick. I, I realize we we've said tell Belbeck. Um, tell is hill. Oh, okay. That's I thought it is. was like a, a run tell that. <laughs> no, it's um, it, it like the, the city is Belbeck and this is the temple complex of Belbeck, but it's, since it's on a raised plaza kind of thing, it's it's on that the little hill there, it's right? Just a, just a hill, just a, a com- temple complex on a hill. Maybe a Drummond, Could, a hillock, hillock. Don't tease him, Flora. Feed him. What's next? <laughs> you, you, 
Well, what, what would you think if we were to come out with just a perfect idea? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's about damn time. A claim made famous by Zechariah Sitchin, who is not famous, was that this was created by extraterrestrials as a launch pad for their ships. It was said to be the first landing place of the Anunnaki on Earth, built by them before they established a proper spaceport. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an explanation <laughs> that requires an explanation. <laughs> it was the only structure that had survived the flood and was used by Inky and Inlil as the post-diluvial headquarters for the reconstruction of the devastated Earth. Holy sh! That is thorough. To be honest, I don't know if Sitchin said that exactly, but this is thrown out there with yeah, Anunnaki well, stuff. Yeah, it's all it's all out there. That this is like a goulash. It is the only structure on Earth from before the flood. There's no evidence of that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it was also the secret clubhouse of the Knights of Uranus. The Epic of Gilgamesh has been used as proof of this, where Gilgamesh sees rockets taking off from Baalbek. Sitchin wrote, We do know the location is mentioned in the ancient Sumerian Epic of Gilgamesh. In this poem, he describes the place as a special platform where great things thundered up and down from heaven, leaving smoke and fire with the sound of roaring thunder in their wake. The passage where Gilgi is, in the story, sleeping on Mount Lebanon, uh, yeah, sure, reads, quote, My friend, hast thou called me? Why have I awakened? Hast thou touched me? Hath a god passed by? Why art my muscles trembling? In Kidu, my friend, I have had another dream. The dream that I dreamed was very terrible. Heaven thundered, earth quaked, day grew dark, darkness came up, lightning set in, fire flared up, sated with destruction and filled with death. End quote. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's the same exact thing that uh, Sitchin said. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no. Yeah? I, no. Boy, howdy. That is a leap from first to home. <laughs> yeah, Sitchin is itching for a kitchen bitchin'. I'm going to yell at him in a kitchen is what I meant about how, how wrong he is. I'll be like, hey, yeah, there's no amount of, of fumbled dismount that won't make me undo that, that line of rhymed words. I, will, I just wanted to do it, and it's done. I, I hear what you're pitching. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, boy, oh, boy. How about it, Dave? What do you what do you think of aliens? What do you, what do you, you think? Uh, <laughs> it was just a big flat spaceport, and Romans came in and just started building on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Roman spaceport, and and with all of these, uh, well, thousands all of, these, of years before the Romans. Yeah, just, thousands just of saying. years ago. But I'm glad that the aliens were using rocket ships. Uh, yeah. You know, technology that we use now mm-hmm. that that we already recognize will not get us to really even another planet. 
let alone out of this solar system. Oil prices were crazy on their planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why they were coming to Earth. Tapping into those uh, oil sands. <laughs> yeah, they, Key, the, Keystone pipeline. <laughs> tar sands. Yeah, tar sands. Oh, man. Offshore big, drilling. Big space petroleum. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to talk about aliens and you're going to talk about crazy stuff, then... <laughs> Check your gram because it's full of Hancock. This episode full of shit that makes no sense. But it's Meta- it metaphors of, that it kind of sounds like it makes sense. It they all, all kind of sound like they make yeah, sense, but they don't. When you when you like ancient go back alien over it. spaceport, kind of sounds like yeah, it makes sense. That's true. It would be interesting <laughs> in a headline, but then you'd be like, wait, what? No. So our buddy. Uh, Hot damn, Graham Hancock uh, thinks that the megaliths are closer to 12,000 years old and contemporaries with Gobekli Tepe. Uh, He writes, quote, the fact that these gigantic almost finished blocks, boy, they just won't stop. They just won't stop needling these guys who just ran out of time. Uh, (laughs) It would have been nice if they'd been finished. Almost, guys. Almost. Quote, the fact that these giant, almost finished blocks remain in the quarry and were never sliced up into smaller blocks and used in the general construction of the Temple of Jupiter suggests to me very strongly that the Romans did not even know they were there. Most probably they had been buried under many meters of sediment for many thousands of years when the Romans appeared on the scene. Uh, They made use of the megaliths that were already in place on the already remotely ancient sacred site that would become the Temple of Jupiter a handy, massive, and convenient platform upon which they could build their temple. But they knew nothing of the fully cut and shaped but unused megaliths lying deeply buried in the quarry. Um, Which, you know, that's the end of that quote there. It does make some sense there. You know, why would they quarry blocks they couldn't move? Yeah, no, I I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of all the things Graham Hancock has said, that's pretty pretty rock-solid rational. He's simply saying "Eh, they probably didn't know they were there. Whatever, whatever cut these probably did it so far in advance of the Romans because the Romans were, were not opposed to just taking what they could to, and using it. They would not have turned their backs on some pre-cut slabs of good old-fashioned rocks. Yeah, even if it was just, even with this, this megalith laying there, they could still cut into it. They, I mean... He'd be like, oh, yeah, look at this. It, it's already part of the shape that we want it. We just have to, like, grid it out now. <laughs> so uh, I, I like what he's saying about uh, them not knowing that it was there. I mean, we're still excavating it and finding it today. There's plenty of earthquakes and stuff that happening around the area. It, it could have already been buried when they got there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I- why, why would they just leave it laying? That is the first completely rational thing that I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Way to go, Graham. You surprised me. Well, I think Graham's got some good ideas here and there, to be honest. But, like, even if they had found it, they still, like, a lot of people like to say that the Romans did not have the technology to move blocks this big. And as we've talked about so many times, it's bullshit to think that because they didn't have a steel motorized crane... Uh, couldn't move uh, a block because they didn't have this modern technology. They were just sort of like banging their heads against these rocks trying to figure out how to build stuff. We've seen it time and time again where this stuff gets moved. They have, the technology is in the physics of it. 
Yeah. And you can see there's that, there's the dude in the backyard, you know, with the YouTube videos moving huge blocks and stuff and hope, hope to goodness that's not fake somehow because a lot of people reference that as a, yeah, well, you know, you, you know and, if, and if, uh, you know, you can also make a pretty good theme park in Florida out of it, or at least yeah. you can make a theme park in Florida out of it. Maybe pretty good's giving it some extra props. It's dumb to think about. Now, the one point that people make that does make some sense is that the capacity that they said that Roman cranes had that they know of was about five tons. Uh, they got around that by combining cranes. Like they could have multiple cranes on stuff so that they could increase their carrying capacity. I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have just been like, Oh, we can't do anything with that megalithic block. Just leave it there. I'm not so sure that they would have carried these 800 ton rocks because the going theory is that those rocks, the big ones, the trilithon, were there when the Romans got there. Right. So even combining their crane technology and stuff wouldn't have been able to move them, so they think. But you know what? That's well, And also, it could be a question of just straight-up manpower. Did they have enough people there to do it? You that's know, true. You know, it takes a lot of people to do that, even even with, uh, you know, blocks and tackles and, and leverage and things like that. So... Maybe they just didn't have the other the other resources they needed in place for it. it well, yeah, the Romans started out coming in there in uh, legions. They they marched in there and used it as a garrison first before they even like. I, I think as they were annexing the region and before they turned it into a province. But then I, I think they would have had manpower. I think you didn't need as many people as you think maybe you would need, right? Because manpower is. It's it's pretty good. But yeah. anyway, uh, pe- people had technology to do stuff. Don't even sweat it. And and yeah, and the Romans knew. I mean, there is uh, a just a god-awful movie uh, on HBO right now. And it's one of those weird things where... You remember that, that Matt Damon on the Great Wall of China movie that nobody saw? Sure, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, I do know. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah, nobody saw it because who would? But there's this this kind of weird thing where sometimes like there's enough money involved in these these Chinese big mega movies that people just say yes. And Kim and I sure. watched this movie and it was starring uh Jackie Chan, Owen Wilson and Lucy Liu. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is it was uh Jackie Chan, Adrian Brody and um John Cusack. And it's like it's like some weird thing where Jackie Chan and his friends are like the defenders of the Silk Road. And Owen, I'm sorry, you got me saying Owen Wilson. Forbidden Kingdom? No, I think it's called Dragon Blade, maybe. Oh, that's all right. I don't. Yeah, yeah. So John Cusack plays a uh, a Roman general, and he's got his, his a, a legion or something on the Silk Road. Because they're fleeing Rome because somebody had to blind a child. I mean, it's just, oh, it's hard to watch. Real hard. Uh, I mean, just look, I just looked it up here. Uh, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I mean, honestly, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it's a 2015 movie. I kind of want to know what the story is behind it. Like, was, was, it, was it that there was so much money in it? Or, I mean, if... If somebody asked, gave me the opportunity to be in a movie, any movie, even if it was a snuff film in which I died with Jackie Chan, I'd uh-huh. still say yes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just a really weird, clunky movie. But yeah, they get this. There's this new thing where they have the these big, giant uh, blockbuster Chinese movies with Western actors in them now. Huh. And, and the reason I went on this stupid diatribe is because a huge portion of the movie, a big uh, plot point, is that the Romans showed up and they were like, oh, we're trying to rebuild this city. And they're like, ha, we're Romans. Six seconds later, cranes everywhere. <laughs> like 30 gigantic 50-foot tall cranes have just appeared because the Romans know. <laughs> so, yeah, cranes. Cranes, well. Now, but if you don't have... 50 gigantic Roman cranes and Jackie Chan to tell them where to go. What other ways can you move those giant blocks, Flora? Sound. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. That off right now. Right. What what do they call that? uh, Acoustic resonance. Yeah. Listen, if in the year, if in the year, our Lord 2017, you can acoustically and reliably move an 880 ton stone, show me. Just do it. That's fine. I'll believe you. Yep. Agreed. You know how they get around that. They say, but it was lost to time. Oh, God. The technology was lost to time. Oh, oh, you'll like this one. How about this? Ley lines. Oh, they've got me on my knees, those ley lines. lines. Banging on them, please. Yeah, man. How about uh, how about running a line through Baalbeck, Troy, Stonehenge, New York City? No. New Orleans? No. And Teotihuacan? Nope. How about going all the way across and having all that energy just, just spewing everywhere? No. No? Nope. Why not? Uh, because the angle is wrong. I mean, and I hate, I hate that as a, as a reason it's wrong because it's like, oh, if they had just gotten the angle better, no, it still would be wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying it's wrong according to their rules, but it's also wrong according to all the other rules ever written about anything. Yeah. We did a whole episode on ley lines. Yeah. Um, I think that's up in the archives now, but, uh, and I'll do you one better, Flora. Before anyone even thinks it, nothing about this place is situated uh, in reference to the four cardinal directions. Oh, yeah. To any constellations. It is not an ancient observer. I mean, actually, full points. That's the to first this one. time. Yeah. To not being considered an ancient observatory. Yeah. First time I've ever heard that. Yeah. Pretty crazy. One funny thing that... <laughs> They've tried to throw out there. And you know, when we when we talked about ley lines, it was always like, here's a very specific number that I'm gonna give you, and it's a it's a amount of degrees or it's a location or it's just you know, it's a it's a number that then shows up again and again and again or matches with this and it's mystic and it's occult and it's right. esoteric and you know, you just throw as above and so below. So <laughs> <laughs> One of, one of these things, coming from ancientwisdom.co.uk, quote, this very specific separation of both longitudes and latitudes between the two sites has a secondary significance. And this is, oh, I'm sorry, this is going from the Great Pyramid of Giza to Belbeck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Has a uh, secondary significance in that the angle created is 51 degrees 
which is the same angle as that of the exterior faces of the Great Pyramid of Giza. Jesus, reach further, you assholes. Well, here's the thing. I, I did some searching just a little bit. What I found was the angle... But the angle of the dangle is directly proportional to the heat of the beat? That's what I basically found. Yeah, there it is. I'm glad we're doing the same research. It's um, actually almost 52 degrees. It's closer to 52 than 51 on the pyramid. And the angle to Belbeck looks like it's around 45 degrees. I, I, oh, boy. Oh, It boy. just seems like a, a, a close enough finagling that... I don't think I could endorse. <laughs> I must regretfully withdraw my support. I'm trying to think of what would make this be a ley line prone place. It's just a very contentious region. Yeah. It's not very well known. I wouldn't say it has some big stuff like the, the stones and the temples are, are big. A lot of a lot of different cultures met there, but you don't hear it when you think of like power centers. Yeah, it's. I mean, here's the thing: in these scenarios, you're always going to get people. Like uh, everything's always going to come down to cosmic vibrations, and it's going to come down to people moving things with thought or with sound. And and oh, and now it's got to be on a ley line, and now it's got to be lined up with this other place. Now there's a cetacean transformation, and if you give me six hundred dollars, I'll tell you about it next Memorial Day weekend in fucking Reno, Nevada. So come on down. Like it's just it's the same water slide of horse, shit, and it's <laughs> it's powered by all the same sad tropes. Like I mean, like me, Bashar. We did episodes on a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying like we have the definitive answers on stuff. I don't know. Maybe there is ley lines or whatever. I just, they just pile the same explanations onto everything. When this thing is a justice sandwich, no additional toppings necessary. The, the, the further we excavate it, the more mystery there is under there. And that's awesome. And it, yeah. I, oh God, how many times do I have to give this rant about things just being cool enough? It doesn't have to shoot lasers out of its goddamn nostrils for it to be impressive. It can be a mystery of archaeology that deepens the more we explore it. Why, why, dear God, why is that not enough? <laughs> but, but aliens. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, God. Oh, uh, well, I think, I, I think that's all I got on, yeah. on this one. It's, it's pretty cool. To, to be honest with you, I would be more inclined to believe that there was a lost civilization or something that predates the whatever records we have. Now, a lot of people will like to argue the mainstream <laughs> archaeological media or like big history will tell you, you know, Romans built this end of story kind of thing. I would be more inclined to believe that there was something that predates history as we know it. I agree. Could, you know, could be building around there. I would love to see that. There's something that's so old that most, yeah, I, I, that's one of my favorite things to think about. And that's why I love to find things like, like Gobekli Tepe and Baalbek, like that, that, that tantalizing glimpse of a world we are unaware of that we're just walking over every day, right? That it's just there. And it's a, and, oh, I love that idea. I think that's so cool. And you don't, you don't have to f***ing turn mine. You don't have to let space aliens make a rocket base out of it. Come on, man. 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be the fucking beam of which everything serves. You know what it is? It's it. It's like that uh, shipping, you know, relationshiping where they take two characters from a show and and make them do it. People are shipping their the things that they like about the paranormal or Fortiana constantly, and just passing off fan fiction as uh, new paranormal areas of investigation. Boy, you could write a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> I feel like that was an insult. (laughs) 24 (laughs) questions I have. You won't believe what got shipped into the paranormal now. (laughs) But who's Sasquatch bagging? He went to Bellbeck with a Faraday cage, and you won't believe what happened next. Oh, God. Well, that'll do it for us for Bellbeck. Yeah. In a very large, very heavy unmoved nutshell yeah nutshell it's still in the quarry but here's the thing though flora did you know that uh they were able to excavate excavate just a portion of of one of those uh giant pieces of rock the unfinished portion Uh uh-huh and uh, do you know underneath it they found a 1000 ton sack of puns just festering oh yeah it was still moist just an ancient moist sack of puns <laughs> right all right who's going uh you go first you know there was a farm in lebanon famous uh-huh. for its large livestock feed sculptures beautiful yep they would spend all autumn harvesting grass and drying it to build a veritable temple to their cows it was called Hey Bellbeck. I get it. I get it. Hey Bellbeck. <laughs> uh, did you hear the, the new crypto archaeological song? Uh, soy, una UNESCO heritage site. <laughs> Tiwanaku, baby. So I go back, Tepe. It's by Bellbeck. Odalay. <laughs> Odalay. Boy. <laughs> I I probably could just do that over and tighten it up, but to what end? <laughs> There's a real loose pun for you. <laughs> right. Oh. There was a, there was an ancient piece of lingerie that Phoenician ladies would wear. Ooh la la. Mm-hmm. They actually got them from stone workers who mastered the art of taking megalithic chunks and working them into three pieces so thin. They could be worn as underwear. Really? Yeah. Became known as the trilothong. <laughs> nice. Do you know, uh, some archaeologists think that before the Romans got there, another group of people were actually occupying that site and operating a uh, small homebrew rocket launch pad uh, from the area. And it turns out they were able to find uh, some ancient carvings of the uh, the stars and bars of Dixie Flag, um, some very ancient, highly corroded cans of uh, Natty Light, and uh, a bunch of old Ted Nugent albums. And so they were able to, de- able to determine that uh, that site could actually be uh, the Baalbeck Redneck Flight Deck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Sure could. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one way to get a paycheck. There, them's puns. 
Oh, man. Now, Flora, put your back into it, and let's hoist us a couple of tons of listener mail. Kicking it off, we got one from Doltsbane, which is a great D&D character name. Uh, are there any books or websites you would recommend for the interested but skeptical? I'm looking for things that would appeal to those that find earnest true believers annoying, but are trying to keep an open mind. Uh, good question. It's, that is a very it, good that, question. That is a tough, tough line to toe. Um, oh, I've got a great one. I would recommend uh, Dead Mountain, uh, which is a, a really amazing account of the, uh, the Dyatlov Pass incident. And I know we talked about it a ton, but boy, as far as like a book that perfectly bridges um, the rational with the terrifying and the fact that the whole thing is a true story, oh, that is a great book. That's, there, there's my recommendation, Doltzbane. Flora, what do you got for him? That's, no, that's, a, that's a very good suggestion. You know what's funny? I've been trying to think of something good to recommend, but it really does seem like it's either hot or cold on these issues. Yeah, because uh, if you go, you can't go full deep end of the pool. Way to hit the brakes, Flora. Nice editing. And if you try to, <laughs> and if you try to, to go to the shallow end, you get stuff like the Skeptics Dictionary and things that are basically the whole point is to debunk everything that's been put forth. And I'm like yeah. you, I like a more balanced, like factual approach that says, here's what the story is. Here's what the true facts are. Yeah. Now, you know, and if it's too off the wall, then yeah, you can kind of make fun of it a little bit. But the reason is you've got the facts in front of you. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because, yeah, you have on the one hand, uh, oh, it's because dolphins are the sentient life form and they're controlling you through the meta brain waves with the aliens and the aliens are also Bigfoots and the Bigfoots are creating bottles that have more gents, you know, like the, there's the, the, just the runaway freight train of everything happening at once. Yeah. And then on the other hand, there's like the smug, here's why you're an idiot. If you've ever considered anything paranormal, Yeah. you know, like, I don't know and, that I've found a book like that, to be honest. Really? I feel like a lot of that those toes the line. Oh, oh, that toes the line of the center. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you what. I think uh, again. I think Dead Mountain is a perfect cut right up the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, but that's real um, specific, right? And because it is a, a real event, and I would say a good place to start would be accounts of actual events that happened, and those at least lay out factual events, and you can kind of determine from there what you think is going on. That's and true. so I'd say that's a good place to start for, I mean, and no matter what kind of book you get, as long as it's accurate, it's true to the events in the, in the order in which they happen, then you can kind of piece that together. And, and I, I will say this, you know, I, Lauren Coleman, he writes a great book about, uh, about cryptozoology. I think that, I think that, um, he certainly is a, a believer in a lot of stuff, but I also find him to be a pretty rational guy when it comes to collecting information. I don't always agree with it. Uh, I don't always agree that he, that, that what's there is what he thinks is there, but I do think that he does a good job of trying to find out. So I would yeah. say, and he, and he's authored a number of books. Um, so I think that's worthwhile. Oh, 
another great book that I feel toes that great line between hard rationalism and total open-mindedness is uh, T. Krulos's book. Oh, yeah. That, that's a good one. Um, Monster Hunters. That, yeah. That, that's a good call. And where he, he follows people who have, you know, who are either ghost hunters or squatch hunters, you know. So it's, it's an interesting look at how they look at things. And it's also sort of analyzing the manner in which they're looking at them. So I, I found that also to be a real nice middle of the road book where you, you get a lot of kind of cool, interesting things and what people are looking at. But there's also that a, a nice amount of detachment from it. So you're not, you know, right in the middle of it. Right. I, I just thought of one back when we were doing the uh, Axeman of New Orleans, I got a book called The Axeman Came From Hell and Other Southern True Crime Stories. If you're a fan of true crime stuff, this is uh, it's it lays out a lot of good information, keeps in the the stuff where people have said, you know, oh, was this a paranormal thing? Uh, it, there's not a lot of uh, paranormal stuff in this, but if there is any component like that, um, the author is Kevin McQueen, and he uh, he keeps that kind of intact, but mostly just lays out facts. Yeah, like, we should just write a book ourselves, because we, we keep talking like we know what we're talking about, and apparently right. there's no book out there that does what we want, so... There you go. <laughs> Hope that helps. That's a few books for you, at least. Dolt's Bane. Yeah, thanks, Dolt's Bane. Dave, we've heard from Jeff. Oh, really? Jeff H. What's up, Jeff? Started listening on the suggestion of a friend and the archive and listened to the archives, too. Super enjoyable. Thank you, Jeff. He's got a great show suggestion, which we thank for, and a couple puns for us, Dave. I love Chester couple puns. Chester Couplepun, little known fact about multiculturalism in the Hollow Earth, is a popular cartoon character adopted by displaced Japanese explorers. Hollow Kitty? Ah, <laughs> nice. I was really interested in your ghost taxonomy episode, as I was always told by my parents I was a ghost. After listening closely to your show, I was simply aghast. <laughs> That's a great pun. That's pretty good. Uh, lastly, beloved author H.P. Lovecraft had a short story that's received a little accolade outside of Australia, and then it wasn't all that scary. The title? The Bunyip Snorer. <laughs> I get it. The Dunwich Horror. Bunyip Snorer. Yeah. yeah that's those it. are that's a, some high quality. Uh, those are some moist puns. That's some a mo- sack of moist, moist puns. Moist. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. So thank you guys so much. Usually we have a little bit more listener mail, but we had a problem with our mail server crashing. Yeah, as I was getting the mail out. Yeah, we didn't lose anything. It's just that we couldn't get those in time for recording. So, Flora, prepare the shout-out cannon. Preparing the shout-out cannon. Shout-outs to Connor the Wordsmith, Megan, Sean D, one, two, three. I get it. Knick-knack pudding snack and humid nebula. Ooh, that's a hot nebula. You guys are all heroes, so thank you guys so much for writing in. Sorry we didn't have more this time. That was just kind of a weird yeah, little crash there. But, you know, you, you guys understand blurry photos. It's, uh, it's not always a smooth running machine. And that's what makes it so much fun, because you don't know if you're actually going to die. <laughs> like an old <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, so also, as always... Uh, thank you so much, uh, all of you who support us on Patreon. It makes a giant uh, difference to us and helps us plan what we're going to be doing next. 
Uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star uh, review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. We are, I mean, actually, I'm going to check right now because we are real, real close. We're sniffing hard. We are. We're, let's see here how close we are to the 18th Hildo. Oh, we are seven away. I, by the time this comes out, we will have crossed the 18th Hildo. So I'm saying, Maybe. I'm saying the 18th Hildo. Don't make me a liar, everybody. Come on. Uh, also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are blurry underscore photos. And uh, also follow the uh, the lovely ladies of Candy Chat at Candy Chatters. Also check out them uh, and like them on Facebook. And get yourself a free audiobook. It's audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. I certainly hope you took advantage of the amazing deal on Obaku watches. So yep. uh, I think we're past that now, but I certainly hope that you guys uh, got some sweet wrist wear out of that. Uh, and once again, thank you so much to Obaku for giving that, uh, giving us that opportunity to talk to you about that and, yep. and for the really awesome watches. So Absolutely. what a great company. And so while, while the sale may have ended this, the watches live on forever. So check them out. It's father's day coming up. A watch is an excellent gift. And don't forget Miss Cryptid. Right in the oh. middle of it, go on over to the homepage on blurryphotos.org. Go yeah. scroll down under that big orange Patreon banner and find the ballot there to submit your name to win a prize pack of your own. Vote for your favorite cryptid, every, all, all that good stuff. And a uh, big shout out to Derek from Monsters Among Us podcast because he's going to be uh, sending us something from his store called the Rag and Bone Emporium. And we're going to be putting that in a prize pack. It's a it's a artsy cryptid thing. I think you're gonna think you're gonna love it. Of course, we'll get we'll get pictures and stuff when the the prize pack goes out. But um, we appreciate that. And we're going to be sending him some blurry photos bookmarks uh, to go into this cool thing that he's started up called Cryptid Crate. Yeah. Um, which is the first and only monthly subscription box geared toward cryptozoology and paranormal fans. And you have until May 25th to subscribe if you'd like to get the the very first mailing, which is going to be the June one. Of course, it's ongoing after that, so you don't, you know, you can sign up whenever. But if you want to get that first one that goes out in June with the bookmark that we're throwing in there, then you'll want to sign up by May 25th, and that's at cryptidcrate.com. So thanks again to Derek from Monsters Among Us. Yeah. And once again, thank all of you for listening, and also thanks to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, our ragtag fugitive fleet of podcasts rocketing through space, fleeing from or sometimes crawling into bed with Cylons, alternatively. We do what we want. Skin job. <laughs> Flora, is that everything? Yeah, I think uh, I think that'll do it for this episode of Blurry Photos. I've been Stephen, and I've been Dave. I'm eternally grateful for your companionship, Stephen Stecco. So come on down before we say bye forever.
Where there's a Wilhelm, there's a way. There's a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh. in 1984. <laughs> oh, nine. And in 1984, it was. And in 1984, it was. <laughs> oh, that's Pepsi Max up the nose the wrong way. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, I deserve this for my multitude of sins. <laughs> oh, 1984. <boy. laughs>